1: Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined unfortunately for the final time by Tony Haggerty Yes. Uh, On the pod today uh, we dissect Celtic's demolition of Ross County as they retook top spot in the Premiership and we speak to Italian football expert Alistair McKenzie to get the lowdown on Lazio Um, So as I said there Tony one last time One last time, yes indeed So just a year, is it 20 years? 20 years, 20 at the years of the record I am indeed, yes, but onwards and upwards As, as they they the pastor's past new Yes um, So as well, we'll just start off this week um, Celtic 6-0 win over Ross County at the weekend Neil Lennon said it might be the most complete performance he's seen from a Celtic side in his two spells as manager um, Do you think he's quite spot on with that? I think if you there was a
0: a moment on sports scene if you saw the edited highlights where they said they had 21 shots on target in in the first half, you know they just swamped Ross County from the get go. But I think Celtic were championing at a bit after spelling five points in the two games previous, so it didn't matter who they were playing. That was always they talk about a backlash. Ross County felt the force of a Celtic backlash on Saturday and some of their moves were irresistible. Well, there was one fact that they didn't score when McGregor hit the post, which yeah, was, like, right. it was a cracking sweep and move down the park, you know. But uh, yeah, they were they were just clinical on Saturday and you know they they should have and probably could have scored more, you know, but uh six nothing's not to be it's not sniffed at uh,
1: yeah. Um did anybody in particular stand out? Because I, Jeremy Frimpong got a lot of, uh, he got a lot of credit. he was probably, arguably, a surprise inclusion in the the starting mm-hmm. eleven. So there was already, I suppose, a wee bit of attention on him anyway, and he did impress. I guess it against Partick yes, in the Betfred like Cup, it. but he really, really. Sean at the weekend. He was
0: terrific at the weekend and the goal he set up for Forrest was was tremendous, you no know, wing play, a wing back play, you know, and he he's endeared himself to the Celtic supporters. You know, you saw what it meant to him. He was mm-hmm. he was celebrating as if he'd scored it himself, <laughs> but he just wants to make a good impression and, and he's certainly done that and I think the Celtic supporters would like to see him get a wee extended run in the team because he seems to be one of those guys who could develop into a cult personality quite quickly at Celtic. And also as well, Ellianoussi is now starting to you know, contribute. You know, off the mark against Clues in the last game, and but you're now starting to see him and the quality that he has, and the reason why uh, Southampton shelled out 16 million quid for him. You know, so you have to say uh, he's starting to look the part. You know, and contributing with goals now, and I think that helps uh, relax a player and settle a player, and he now looks happy in his new surroundings. You yeah. know, and and he can maybe take it on to the next level. You know,
1: because he was a guy. I suppose he's you know he's coming off. What was You know was a pretty Disappointing season For him At Southampton So yeah. I suppose It maybe would have been a, Even though You know there's talk Of how much Southampton paid for him But maybe still It would have been A bit unreasonable To expect him To just hit the ground run When of he's course. not played A lot of football His confidence Was maybe a wee bit mm. Brittle And he's coming into another Another new environment That he's had to adjust to
0: but see when you can pick up a guy like that I mean he's clearly got ability and Celtic know that because he played against him for Mulder, didn't he in, in Europe he did not score against him yeah. you know so Celtic know about his qualities you know and all you have to do is put arms around these guys these guys are confidence players you know so if they're lacking in confidence then they're not going to produce for you but see if you bring them into an environment where you're, you're taught to win every week you're, the demand's placed on you football players like that and you're told you're an important player and you build them up and you build them up and then playing in front of 50,000, 60,000 also helps as well, you know. <laughs> you get that adulation you, and that it feels yeah, good, you uh-huh. know, you, you feel important and you feel wanted and loved. And it wouldn't surprise me if Elianusi was calling for to extend the extended deal, you know, at, at the end of his loan spell. It depends how Southampton want to play that, you know, but I would imagine they would want a sizeable chunk of their money back if he was to go on a permanent so transfer, but, but, losses, but they suppose, might actually yeah. let him extend uh, extended deal, you know, a year and a half or another year or whatever, in the same way Manchester City did with Paddy Robertson guys like that.
1: Yeah. I mean he's maybe one of those I think possibly one of those players where that season at Southampton maybe wasn't really an indication of what he's all about because oh. he's 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 gone into a side who working kinda struggling a wee bit and Of course. Now he's at Celtic where much more kind of on the front foot, more room to yeah. express himself in it that it seems to be that's where his strengths be, lie. You can be your natural talent
0: and your natural habitat. You know, Neil Lennon's asking not me score goals, provide goals. That's what he wants at Southampton, might have been hit on the break, you know, you might get one chance a game or one ball out wide a game and, and you're asked to do you know, you're up against real quality opposition in the English Premier League. And I'm not saying he's up against not up against quality in the Scottish Premiership but it's a different mentality it's yeah. a different mindset you know you're you not playing survival football for Celtic you're playing a winning type of football or you're trying to certainly whereas Southampton sometimes it's survival it's eking a draw out here and there trying to get three points at home or whatever you know and some players that just doesn't suit them you know they want to go out and express themselves and uh, creative players like that sometimes are reined in if you're playing for an English Premier League side who's struggling you know they say to them no, don't do that and don't do that whereas at Celtic he's probably been given a free reign so go and express yourself go and do what, you're natu- what you naturally want to do as a footballer and, and, and that can only help
1: Yeah I think as well this this result there's you know, so much to take from you know that result and performance but do you think what's maybe especially pleasing for Neil Lennon is the kind of variety of goal scorers as well Yeah um, So you had Edwards Elianoussi McGregor and Forrest, there's guys chipping in. Oh yeah, you know you've got Ryan Christie to come back in as well. You've got,
0: you know, Tom Rogic was back in the team my old friend mm-hmm. Tom Rogic, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, so there's there's real positives going forward. There, there is goals in that Celtic team. You know, there's threats. You know, there's danger from every area of the park. You know, Ball and Golly loves to get forward. Frimpong was getting forward. You know, so there's there's threats all over the place. and... You know, the, the, it was just the manner the way Celtic went about that game on Saturday. They set about Ross County. You know, you did feel for them because it was just wave after wave of attack. Mm-hmm. It was a team with hell bent with a point to prove to go back to the top of the league and say to Rangers, back to you. And then obviously, Celtic are now top league goal difference, albeit. But, you know, there was a wee statement sent out there by Celtic saying, well, go and match that. Go to Tyne Castle and win. Mm-hmm. You know, they asked the question. Yeah. And the hallmark of Celtic teams in the past few years especially the last three years has been if the question was asked of Celtic and a role reversal Celtic would have went to 10castle and won
1: yeah and that has been the difference really and that's Didn't been it? the
0: main difference you know there's still a fragility there about Rangers you know and Celtic can take confidence from that moving forward they've already been to iBooks and won and, and won well so they're probably thinking okay every team has a blip and Celtic had a two game blip you know, two in the bounce very unlike them but they've got their heads together again, and they've probably spoken about it. I think Julianne said that they they had a talk about that, and mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't going to happen again, and that remains to be seen. But you know, they've certainly come a, come out the traps after the international break, you know, and firing on all cylinders, and making sure that the, there was no lingering hangover from the last two results, you know. And, and as, as Neil Lennon said, if he's saying that's the most complete performance from a Celtic team from before when he's first spelled and he's spelled just now then that's quite a statement to make from the manager mm-hmm.
1: you know and and you know it's hard to argue it is no I, I, I totally agree Um and the fact that as well he, I mean it must be said Lenny Lennon he touched on this rather than making a big issue out of it Um but the fact that he mentioned there was only one minute added on yeah. at the very end is it maybe uh, you know I mean it's still it's October do you know what I mean so but it's very early days yet but is it maybe an indication that he you know he feels that the the amount of goals scored the title, could have a say yeah the title could go to the wire on goal difference you know Chelsea lost the title in
0: 2003 on goal difference didn't he mm-hmm. you know when he went to Kilmarnock and Rangers uh, were at home to Dunfermline lost it by I think it was a goal wasn't it yeah, well, I, 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 I'll need to, I'll need I, to I, dig I, it out then. I believe so I believe <laughs> it was a, I believe it was a goal yeah. you know so you know, and the way the two of them are playing at the moment, they are swatting teams aside.
1: Especially at you home.
0: Know, yeah, at home they're quite formidable, the pair of them. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, these things can add up at the end of a season. So, yeah, I get that. You know, he, the, he, he at least wanted three minutes, maybe four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seven's obviously better than six. And he obviously felt the way they were playing. They could have scored their sevens, you know, and, and take stretch that goal difference further so yeah these are all these are all variables that could come into play come the end of the season and he's quite right to ask the question but the referee probably felt some sympathy for Ross County
1: and thought they took enough punishment you know (laughs) Uh so but uh, because you do find that happens don't you yeah the game's done and dusted no matter how much injury time should be added on the referee tends to it's usually a statutory 3 isn't it yeah it tends to put teams out of their misery a bit earlier, but but do you agree with that? Do you do you agree that it should the letter that the, of
0: the law? Yeah, I agree that the injury time is the injury time. So if they both made three substitutions then surely that constitutes thirty seconds a sub, which would be three minutes, wouldn't it? So mm-hmm. uh, regardless if a team's getting pulverized, you know, it's if that's a letter of the law, then there, there should be more injury time in it. And it is a moot point, but it's still a point all the same. Yeah. you know because if you score there's a lot of teams score two goals in the time you know things like that so Celtic scored four within five minutes of the second half commencing on, on, on Sunday Yeah, I believe or four within ten minutes ten it was yeah you know so you know these things as I see these things can add up and he was making these points certainly didn't he make a big deal about yeah, it he's ask the question yeah of course he is it? yeah
1: so I mean I, I don't blame him for that no um, and we couldn't we couldn't let you sign off on the podcast without uh, having a discussion about your old pal Tom Rogic. He was ba- <laughs> he was back in the the starting eleven at the weekend. Yeah. Um, but where do you uh, see his kind of long term place at the club? Because it seems you know Ryan Christie has occupied that role, um, and he, he he brings something that you know I kind of find is that's been so important to how Lennon Celtic have played yeah. with his energy. Um, well not I mean first and foremost he's quality on the ball yeah. and he's he's talent you don't want to overlook that but he does bring this this real sort of menace off the ball as well the, the pressing the closing down that maybe you don't get with Tom Rogic See so. for
0: me Ryan Christie's the player Tom Rogic should be which is why I've been on his case for so long because he's capable of so much better than a Celtic jersey the odd magnificent goal has bought him admirers you know, but I think he's he he has the ability to have the full package, and I just think my personal opinion is that Tom Rogic has underachieved. You know, he scored some cracking goals, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again: you can compile a DVD of Tom Rogic's greatest hits, goals-wise, you can't on his performances, but you could be Ryan Christie because mm-hmm. he's been terrific. He was terrific against uh, RB Leipzig, Leipzig, right? Couldn't remember the name. Their <laughs> uh, you Leipzig last season. You know he was terrific in the Hearts semi-final at, at Murrayfield. He's been terrific against Rangers. he's he scored a hat trick. You know he is doing all the things that your central midfielder should do and the the imposing figure that Tom Roderick should be. Because mm-hmm. he's got the height. He should have the strength. He should have the confidence. He's definitely got the ability. But for some reason, Tom Roddick's not been that player, so it's no surprise to see Ryan Christie come in Said, said, you know what, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And he's now, you ask any Celtic supporter, Christie or Roddick, it's it's yeah. unanimously uh-huh. in favour of Christie, mm. who this time, nearly a year and a half ago, was heading out the door. You know, so it has been a remarkable <laughs> turnaround and fortunes for both players. Yeah. You know, and I and I'm not saying that Tom Rodgers should to lies away from Celtic because I still think he can contribute, but he has to realise that he's in a fight now. And if he wants to get into that team, then he has he, he has to knuckle down and start looking at Christie and thinking, That's my inspiration, mm-hmm. that's my yardstick, that's my benchmark. Uh, but at this moment in time he's not got a chance of dislodging Ryan Christie yeah. from that team. Or Callum McGregor for that matter. I
1: suppose from Neil Lennon's perspective it's a nice...
0: It's a beautiful thing to have nice you know, to turn around your bench and say oof there's
1: Rogic has got those those match winning qualities I he can he can have a fairly indifferent game yeah. and then turn the game Correct. in a split second and that's not something... And I'm not
0: disputing his ability
1: I'm, yeah. ta- I'm oh, talking absolutely.
0: about the fact that the whole package but... As I've said there, I mentioned the word underachieving achieving some people will have a go at me and say, well, how can you underachieve? He scored this goal, that goal, and that goal. And I get that. But as I said constantly, name a game where Tom Roddick has took the game by the scuffle of the neck. He said, isolated moments are brilliance, which has won games and important matches for Celtic and scored important goals. But I'm talking about a real dominating, domineering performance where you've went, man in the match is Tom Roddick. He's got man of the match on the strength of isolated moments of brilliance and skill, and that's I, I just want him to be a consistent performer. If Tom Roderick goes in seven, eight, nine player, you, you couldn't leave Tom Roderick out of the team. But he's not. He's a guy that can be trusted to last more mm. than an hour. So if that's the case, then just now he, he's better being an impact player because he cannot. There's no place in the team for him at this minute. If if uh, all things been equal. And Christie and uh, McGregor and Brown and Forrester are doing nothing. That—that's my opinion, and I—I I, I don't deviate from that. Mm-hmm. And it's not knocking Tom Rogic because I think he is a—he has a talented footballer, but maybe not as good as the Celtic fans think he is, and he's certainly not as good as Tom Rogic thinks he <laughs> is,
1: you know. <laughs> and Christie, obviously, he was the reason we're assuming perhaps that rog- Rogic came in at the weekend um, was Christie's suspension. Um, but we're expecting Christie to be back um, Because Celtic have got a massive game coming up on Thursday So as promised we are now joined by Alistair McKenzie All the way from Italy Alistair's a football journalist who formerly worked in Glasgow And is now based in Rome A slight change of scenery for him <laughs> uh, So he's written an excellent piece on Lazio's up and downs this season so far Which you can read on dailyrecord.co.uk Um, If you're not up to speed, Lazio came from 3-0 down to rescue a draw in the dying seconds against Atalanta at the weekend. Uh, So, Alistair, thanks for joining us, first of all. Um, So, obviously, you see the team uh, up close, week in, week out. So, what does that result at the weekend? What does that tell us about Lazio?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, essentially, the kind of... um, the message of the piece as I wrote for you today was that it pretty much tells you everything you need to know really. I think that um, for Neil Lennon and and his staff kind of preparing for this game trying to get an idea of what they're up against um, they got a kind of microcosm of everything within 90 minutes there because they were absolutely abysmal kind of all the worst possible aspects of, of Lazio as a team came in that first 45 minutes and then in the second half they They're transformed and and to be honest with you it makes absolutely no sense that a team is capable of playing in in such completely different ways in in two different halves of a game of football but uh, that's what you get with Lazio they're they're capable of both things they can capitulate completely they can blow teams away Um, so I'm afraid we just have no idea which one of these teams is going to turn up until the game kicks off on (laughs) Thursday night
1: So I dare say um, I'm asking a lot of you here but how, you know, can you even begin to explain why they're so Jekyll and Hyde why it's so unpredictable?
2: Well, they've got a lot of very talented players but um, the the coach Simone Inzaghi has been in charge of the team for about three years now but he's yeah, the one thing he's not quite managed to do is is get consistency out of this team. Um, there are a few who have been criticised as being kind of fair-weather players. You know, the likes of Luis Alberto and Sergei Milinkovic savic those two midfielders, central midfielders, are two of the best in Serie A on their day. Um, but they're not really... Uh, providing consistently enough really um for a lot of fans. They've they've been a lot better this season, has to be said, than they were last season already. But uh yeah, I think the balance is the main issue. Um one key point of the Atalanta game really was that Lazio play a 5 three five two and they use those two Players are just mentioned as kind of attacking midfielders, but in the centre of that kind of five in the middle, and usually it's it's left up to Lucas Leva, former Liverpool midfielder. I'm sure you're familiar with. Yep. Usually it's left up to up to him to kind of single handedly um, anchor that midfield and cut out all the counter attacks and basically do all the dirty work by himself. And he wasn't actually available for that Atalanta game because he was suspended. And you could really tell um, because the, the man who, who stepped in to fill that role isn't a natural in that position and uh, there was no one there really to, to try and, uh, you know, even the things like kind of a tactical foul here and there to try and just cut down a bit of Atalanta's momentum. So he'll be back for the Celtic game. He's, he's, he's due to start in that match as well and I think that will help. Lazio will get a bit more of that balance I was talking about, but essentially that's that's been the issue with this inconsistency: is that the balance, really, of of the players and how to how to get all these talents on the pitch in a coherent way, has has been the crux, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Alistair, can I ask you as well? Uh, uh, traditionally, the Europa League's not high up on Serie A sides' uh, agenda, you know, and the priorities. Do you get the feeling that's it's, it's the same with this Lazio team? And they'll they'll see what happens in the group, and if they get out, it then they'll maybe treat the knockout stages a bit more seriously.
2: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's that's exactly right. Um, Lazio uh, That's another thing I mentioned in this piece is there is a general apathy around the club and the fans about this. Uh, the only home game so far against Rennes, there are only 8,000 people there, which is, uh, you know, about five times less, sure. four or five times less than what they get for their big Serie A games. Um, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that generally they've they've been in this tournament a lot the last kind of six or seven years. And generally the group stages haven't caused much of an issue for them. They've, they've managed to kind of stroll through with essentially a B team being put out in most of the games. Um, but I think this group's a bit different. Um, last year had a difficult group last year as well with Frankfurt and Marseille and, and Apple and Limassol as well. Um, but they still managed to get through that group with two games to spare. Um, so I do worry that they're they're kind of taking this one a bit too lightly. Um, the thing is, they've already had a very damaging result by losing a little bit yeah. to Cluj, and it'll be interesting actually to see how um, Zaggy goes about his selection for this this game or the next two games, really, because that'll tell us a lot about how seriously they're going to take it. I think that to be honest, on Thursday we still will see a rotated team. There will still be a, a, quite a few key players being dropped to the bench um, because they've got a very important run of Serie A games at the moment and, and the main objective still is Champions League qualifications through the league. So um, I think probably it will be, like I say, quite a rotated team this, this week, but if they lose this game, we might see a bit of a, a change of attitude towards it.
1: And as well, Alistair, just um, uh, if you look at uh, Celtic's uh, lineup and then you look at you, know, you match them up against Lazio do you think there's is there any particular players in this Celtic side that could hurt Lazio
2: yep yeah, um, I, I think so yeah the, the one thing uh, in particular that I think Celtic might have a bit of joy with here is is down the flanks um, I mentioned already Lazio play a 3-5-2 but the wing back positions have been a point of weakness for Lazio and particularly if they um, start with uh, a, a left wing back called Johnny, who um, was signed in the summer, a Spanish guy. He, um, he's he been adapting from a, a natural winger role to a wing back role and his defensive duties are still being drummed into him. He still looks um, a bit weak in, in that side of his game. I think that Celtic can really cause uh, Lazio some problems. Uh, down that down that right hand side. They can also cause some problems on the counter attack, I think, because in transition lats will often get caught out. Like I mentioned before, they quite like to, to field a number of attacking midfielders in this in this uh, formation to support the strikers. And they do uh, dedicate a lot of numbers to their attacks, but that does leave a lot of opportunity and a lot of space on the counter as well. So in a way um, I think Celtic might actually have a bit more joy and can catch out Lazio a bit more actually playing more as, as an away team and and waiting for them to come forward before hitting them on the break and that's where they can really expose them I think
1: Johnny sounds as if he's a Scottish Spaniard you know what I mean
0: <laughs> should
1: be playing for the opposition yeah, yeah. As, um, as well you mentioned Lucas is likely to come back into the side but I think what we're kind of thinking from here is is Ryan Christie will probably come back in for Celtic. Um, I don't know, even Tony as well. Do you know? Do you expect? You know, maybe based on how important Alistair said that Lucas is to what Lazio do, is maybe Celtic using Ryan Christie and his running and his energy to really try and knock him off any sort of rhythm. I would have thought so. Celtic
0: played a really high tempo game against Cluj in, in the last in the last uh, Europa League uh, round of fixtures, and they want to do the same against Lazio. But as Alistair said, if they're going to rotate the team, then Neil Lennon will, will have to take advantage yeah. of that. you know, and I, and I expect Celtic to do the same. And, and he'll want to play Christie because he's suspended domestically, but we we'll want to keep him taking over. And that'll be an interesting battle if Lucas does play. Yeah. You know, as Alistair alluded to there, then Simone Eczagi might uh, rotate his squad. And if they've got a a, a lot of uh, important Serie A fixers coming up, I mean, you notice it every year. The Italian teams you know, they just take their chances in the Europa League group stages with shadow teams. And if they get to the knockout phase, then it gets a bit more serious because then they can build it up to playing uh, stiffer opposition the way they get tested in, in Serie A. But they, they, they tend to prioritise Serie A Champions League qualification over anything else. Even their domestic cup competition as well. The, the Coppa Italia, they, they send out shadow teams. Alistair will back me up on that as well.
1: Yeah. I'll start as well, just taking it back to, to Lazio, um, obviously the you know, the player I mean, quite understandably who's getting a lot of the headlines at the moment is uh Giro Immobile. Um so, so for maybe for people who have not watched him too often, uh, what kind of you know, what makes him so good? What is what's behind his is it ten goals he's scored already this season about thereabouts? The uh, what right, what's yeah. what's his sort of main strengths that um that are that make him quite as effective as he is.
2: Well, um, he's just—he's a bit of a pain in the arse, to be honest, <laughs> um, for defenders. I mean, he—he's uh, one of these strikers who he just never stops. He's—he's he's always wanting the ball. He'll come deep. He'll pull out wide. Um, he's not. Uh, he, he's often actually incorrectly kind of typecast as being a kind of number nine who plays on the shoulder, but that's actually not his game at all. He will move around a lot. His um, combination play as well with the players that support him and whoever he's playing alongside is often very good. He looks to get the ball away kind of with his first touch and open up space. He provides an awful lot of assists as well as, as the goals he scores. He is kind of an all-round striker, really. And um, his finishing ability is very good. He does, you know, miss a lot of chances as well as scoring a lot. But I mean, the the dangerous sign there is that he always finds himself with a lot of chances. So he's someone that's very hard to to keep track of for the opposition because it's not as simple as just, um, you know, putting a man marking job on him because your your man will be getting dragged from left to right and up and down the pitch. So... Yeah, he he really is a handful, and um, like you say, yeah, tangles already this season. He's, he's he's in very hot form, and when he gets like this, to be honest, he, he's he's quite hard to stop. But um, the one positive news, maybe for for Celtic, is that the uh, this morning anyway, the the this is Tuesday today, so this morning's training session Inzaghi was actually trying out uh, front two of Felipe Caicedo and Joaquin Correa so there is a chance that Immobile might be benched for this game and, and that they'll lose yeah, him in the that, second half So That's what I was we'll going see. to
0: ask you Alistair did, do you expect him to play and you probably just answered that question if he's doing that then there's every chance that he won't feature a because you've already said they've got important games coming up in their own league
2: Yeah I mean it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, uh, one thing in Zaghi, funnily enough, was criticised last season for by some was that even while he was rotating the team last season for Europa League games, he was keeping certain players in the team for almost all of them, which was Francesco Acerbi, who's Lazio's most important defender. Lucas Leiva was one and then Ciro Mobile was the other. I mean... These three guys were essentially playing in absolutely every <laughs> game, every opportunity, and that's the other thing about Immobile is he wants to play every game. And uh, there was a bit of a, a mini drama recently in a game against Parma. He got substituted off while that's who were winning and kicked up a big fuss and threw his arms up in the air, and <laughs> the whole thing got brushed under the carpet very quickly. But. Essentially, it was just another sign, really, of the fact that this guy wants to play football. He wants to score goals and he has that, that hunger that's driving him. So, um, Felipe Casero will almost certainly start because he's the one who he'll get rotated in for these games. Um, he's a very different kind of player because he, he links up the attack more than being the guy who's on the end of, on, of the moves. And he's also very good at drawing in defenders, occupying defenders, winning fouls, these kind of things. So he's a very different kind of player to, to Correa and Immobile. So I think we'll have to wait and see until the time. It might be a little bit up to circumstance, you know, um, mm-hmm. fitness issues and things like that as well. So we'll, we'll wait and see.
0: But with 10 goals and if your eye's in, Immobile will definitely want to play, won't he? You know, to uh, improve on his tally, you know?
2: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt he'll want to play. I mean, uh, this is the thing that Nzaghi and him have a very close relationship. You know, they've they've been on holidays together and things like that and uh, go out for dinner with their families together and things. And Nzaghi himself is, is a, don't forget, a former striker. He, he was a Lazio striker for a long time before he became a coach. So I think they kind of understand each other when it comes to these things. But uh, uh, yeah, sometimes as a coach, you just got to put a lid on it and do what's best for the team. So yeah, like I say, it's a uh, Still quite unpredictable
1: at this stage, and as well, you mentioned earlier um, the fact that there was only around eight thousand fans at the the last Europa League home game, and I'm assuming that's you know that's set to be even less with the the stadium closure. Um, And you know, you speak about this general kind of apathy around the group stage. I mean, does does all that combined turn what could have possibly? I'm talking about the return fixture here. does that kind of turn what could have possibly been Celtic's most intimidating fixture of the group stage into less of a less of an ask? In the, with all those circumstances combined, do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there is a very real risk that that game will essentially be like a home game for Celtic. Um, there, there was a match group stage last year. Um, I was at the stadium for it. There was, uh, it was when Eintracht Frankfurt came and it was their first European campaign in years. So their fans were really up for it. They brought a massive support. And the Frankfurt fans outnumbered the Lazio <laughs> fans probably about three to one or something. I mean, it was, um, uh-huh. it was a bit embarrassing, to be honest, from a Lazio perspective. But it just, like I say, it, it tells you a lot about uh, how the fans view it and you know over here it's kind of 9pm kickoffs on a Thursday and people can't really be bothered quite often to actually go and, and watch these games I was hopeful that um, you know Celtic would be a bit different you know because it's uh, a bigger team, a more kind of glamorous team with some European history behind them and a bit more of a prestigious fixture and also it has the novelty factor because they've never played each other before in, in a competitive game. But um, yeah, with, with the Curva section shut, obviously that'll reduce the crowd. It doesn't mean that there there won't be a crowd because there's still sections either side of that and above it and also the main tribune and everything. So there, there should be... Um, you know there, there, there'll there be plenty of opportunity as a big stadium there'll be plenty of yeah. opportunity for a good number of fans to still be at that game so it's really just about how much they want it
0: I think you can expect the Celtic supporters on Mars to go to Rome Alistair
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, listen Alistair, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, As I said, you can read Alistair's piece in depth on Lazio on uh, dailyrecord.co.uk So just again, thanks very much for joining us.
2: No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Cheers.
1: Thanks, Alistair. Cheers that's all from us today but we'll be back again next midweek to bring you all the latest from Parkhead Uh, thanks to Tony for joining me and thanks to Tony for all the hours he's given the podcast, (laughs) Uh, just want to wish him all the best for the future Um, if you want to subscribe to us you can get us on Acast and iTunes, you'll get the pod there as soon as it's available and you can also rate us on there as well, thanks for listening